want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Being intentional has been the reigning theme in our lives here at the Building Christian Fellowship, but we can't just have a good start being intentional. We have to be intentional to the very end. Let's tune in as Pastor John brings the word. Second Corinthians, I'll be reading from the message. And it reads, so here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now, somebody say right now. Right now. Okay, good. Is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. Tienes lo que se necesita para terminar, así que vamos. Here's an important truth. Aquí es una verdad importante. It's not or it isn't how you start that is important. No es tan importante como comienza. It's how you finish. Pero es como terminas. Now here's a catch to the statement what I just said. Finish what you started. Termina lo que comenzaste. Deja de dejar las cosas undone. Don't leave things undone. My gosh, how many times have we started something and didn't finish it? Watch this, watch this. How many people right here, don't raise your hand, got laundry sitting in the washing machine or dryer right now? Mm -hmm. Come on, come on, yes, yes. Confessing now. Devil, you are a lie. Because mm-hmm, there's just a few people that are just honest, and I know there's more than two that raise their hand, but I, yeah, we're leaving things undone. We have to finish what we started. See, look, so many of us right now, we're looking for the next season, the next project, the next big thing in our lives without finishing the season or project we're in now. I know we're excited about what God is going to do. Everybody excited about what God's going to do? We're looking in the future. Man, I'm excited about what God's doing. But let me ask you a question. What about what God's doing now? Presta atención a lo que Dios está haciendo ahora. En esta hora, en esta temporada, que está haciendo el ahora. What is he doing now? We're so busy looking in the future that we're not paying attention to what's going on now. You know, we said it before. It says in, in, in the scripture that we said earlier, it says, this is what I think the best thing you could do right now. Ahora. We got to start doing things now, paying attention to what God's doing. This is the season that we're in. How are you going to look to the next season when you ain't finished the season you're in? You know, it's funny. You guys, you know, some of you guys watch football. And I think one of the dumbest questions somebody can ask a football player is, you know, they got a game. They're about to play a game. So uh, in two weeks, you'll be playing uh, the 49ers. So um, how are you going to approach that? Dude's like, dude, that's two weeks. I'm about to play a game. I'm focused on right now. Because if I'm thinking about what's going on in two weeks, I'm not going to be able to tackle and, and deal with what's in front of me right now. Mm. So 
speaking of what God's doing right now, all of us here at the Building Christian Fellowship have been intentional. And we've been talking about being intentional over the last few weeks. And we've been intentional on making sure that we can get these connections to have real relevant relationships, number one, with Christ, real relevant relationships with each other, and real relevant relationships so we can have that with the community. And we've been doing that by having something that's called small groups. You guys know they're a big deal. Yes, small groups are a big deal. So it's been about, this is the third week, I believe, third week. How many guys? It's third week, right? I'm just trying to find out who's going. This, this is how I can tell. People are, oh, yes, it's been three weeks, three wonderful weeks, Pastor. But this is the time. I don't know why it's three weeks. I, Pastor Jenny, I don't know why it's three weeks. But it seems three weeks is the time when everybody falls off. Yeah, people just stop coming. Everybody's looking at me like, is he talking to me? We lose our enthusiasm about getting connected and we find some excuse not to finish out six weeks. We learned in the last few weeks, well, you know what, before I even go, let me just, can I just stay here for a second? You know, one of the biggest issues that we have in church as leaders is when people tell us, I just don't feel connected. And when we do so many things to get you connected, do you know what connection doesn't, there, life isn't a box of Legos. You're like, oh, what does that mean? Your connection doesn't happen in a snap. It takes, a, it takes time. It takes a process. And I'm being honest with you. Carefully, through statistics and studies, six weeks, it usually takes about six weeks for you even to start to know somebody. Especially because you're only really spending time with them for maybe an hour and a half once a week. So we intentionally did six weeks, six weeks for you guys to start these real re relevant relationships with one another. And it's, and it's unfortunate that you miss out. Because if you're intentional about what the, the, the vision of the church is, you'll make sure that you're there. No matter if you're hungry, tired, sleepy, some show's coming on. You're like, I want to be intentional about the vision of the church. And not only that, I want to be connected. Because guess what? One day you're going to need somebody. I'm trying to tell you, when, 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 when my dad passed, it was invaluable, the connections that I had here at the church. When my mother-in-law passed, the, the way the saints came and rallied around us. There's some of you guys in here, uh, uh, praise God, when Michelle Quesada's son passed, how the church rallied around her because she took time to get connected and make relationships. But if nobody knows you and somebody in your family passes, you have some tragedy that happens, nobody's going to know. And then we turn around and we blame the church. The church didn't do anything for me. You weren't connected. I got a bug crawling on me. It's all right. Anyway. So also I want to tell you guys what this is coming up for some of you guys. How many people want to be better stewards of your money? Amen. Okay, take a picture. Take a picture. Take a picture. Okay, I got you. We're going to have a lot of sign-ups for financial peace. You got, who, who just wants peace, period? And who wants financial peace? Okay, all right. Okay, so we have financial peace coming up, you guys. It's huge. And financial peace is, is nine weeks? Nine weeks. Guess what happens? After three weeks, people start falling off. 
They get excited. Man, I, wanna, I want to be in control of my money, not my money being in control of me. I want to learn how to spend. I want to do this. And you'll go for three weeks, and then we won't see you anymore. And then uh, maybe about four months later, you're trying to figure out why you're, you've gotten in more debt. We offer these things to you to finish what you started. So we encourage you guys that, one, go to small groups. Go to small groups, finish it out, get connected, get to know people. Start knowing people that you don't already know. Exchange phone numbers, call somebody, text them, do something. Financial peace, shameless plug, sign up, do the full nine weeks. Amen? Amen. I did take a picture everybody. I expect to see you there. Now. We learned over the last few weeks, when God gives us a vision, when he gives us a dream, we see it in its entirety. We, we see it in its successful, finished glory, its finished work. But what we don't see is the pressure, the problems, and the pain that it takes to even start the business. Did I say business? I, I got business on my mind. <laughs> to start the vision or the dream. I, I, it's funny, and, and I, I remember it, Stan, years ago, this was years ago, Stan uh, and I were talking, and, and he was talking about this, this place, and it was called A Little Insight. This was the, the vision and a dream. It's a, it's a little insight. It's a 3D, 4D uh, um, ultrasound to see the baby in the stomach. And I remember, you know, he was doing all his homework, and he had a vision. He's seen it, but I bet you if you just sit with Stan for about, it'll probably, he would love to talk to you for a few days on it, but I'm sure he, he didn't see, foresee all the problems that he would have even starting the business. Now, it's a very successful, lucrative business now, but talk to him about 15 years ago. See, he had a vision and saw the vision, had some idea what it was going to be like to start it, but he didn't know all the problems and pain that he was going to go through. See, that's what God does to us. When he gives us a vision, when he gives us a dream, we see it in its finished work. We don't see the pain and the problems that we have to get any progress. We, we don't see that because if we do, guess what? We'll quit. Oh, this is too hard, man. See, like right now, I wish I had a few honest people in here that, that knows about starting something you never wish you got into. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever look at somebody and say, yeah, man, I'll be there. I'll help you move. And when you get there, you're like, why did I ever commit to this? Huh? Yeah, don't be looking at each other because you know, one thing about being in church, you better believe somebody's going to call you to help them move. One thing we stand firm on here at the building, we will help you move, but we're not going to help you pack. There's a difference. If we show up and the boxes ain't taped and stacked up, we're turning around. God bless you. Call me when you're done. Packing nothing. See, this is the big problem in church, saints. The saints get led by their emotions and jump into volunteering or serving. But when they see how big the commitment is or they get tired or they're hungry or they don't feel like it, they fall off. El problema en la iglesia es cuando los santos dejan que sus problemas detengan su compromiso. You guys are looking at me like, what's that mean? Don't worry about it. Ellos fall off. They fall off. 
guys, it, we get tired, and you, you, know, you know right now, if there's something happening, like right now, you're sitting there thinking, man, I sure am tired. You, you, going, going to small groups today ain't even a second thought. You're like, I'm going home, I'm going to sleep. Any, is there anybody in here that, that want to make a devil a lie and just say amen on that one? God bless you. Listen, Matthew chapter 7, 26 through 27 says this. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house upon sand. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came. And when the winds blew and slammed against the house, it fell and great and complete was its fall. Alguien dice, cuenta el costo. What does that say? Somebody say, count the cost. Count the cost. No puedes permitir que tu situación the Bible says in Luke 14, 28 and 30, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who sees it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. What is the Bible saying? The Bible says, look, before you even give an answer, sit down and think about what it's going to cost you to say yes. It's very difficult for anybody to try to count on, well, uh, uh, to count on you when you can't commit. Do you guys know what commit means? If you're committed, that means nothing will move you. See, Jesus is holy, which means committed. And his commitment is to you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, he is with you till the ends of the earth. That's committed. That means I'm going to be with you. Now, don't, don't, don't get me wrong because we have this theology right now that God is with me no matter what I do and where I'm going. Those are two types of with you's. God is omnipresent. Yes, he's there when you're messing up, but that doesn't mean he's in agreement with you. See, when he's saying, I am with you, that means I'm in agreement with you when you're walking the agreement steps that I've ordered for you. And even though hell and high water comes, even though difficulties may happen, even though transgressions may come, I am still with you because I'm committed. Jesus don't look at us and go, man, I'm tired. Muy cansado. He doesn't do that to us, but yet we turn around and do that. Watch this. You guys think, well, I just do that to church. Well, it's his body. It, it, there's no difference if you slap me in the face or hit me in the stomach, you still hit me. Do you get the analogy? If you slap me in my face, it's my head, but you hit me in my stomach, it's my body. Either way it goes, you offended me. So... You may say that, no, I honor the head. I just don't honor the body. Well, you don't honor Christ. In order to be committed to the head, you have to be committed to the body. Anytime you quit on the body, you quit on God. Okay, okay, so where are we at? All right, we have to finish what we started. We also learn in these past few weeks that when it comes to your vision, when it comes to your vision, you have to make sure that you write the vision down. You have to make sure that 
your vision is what comes from God. But we also have to make sure that um, spirituality without practicality will never become a reality. For those of you that don't know what I said in English, la espiritualidad sin sentido práctico nunca llegar a ser realidad. We can't just pray and hope our vision comes to pass. You know we want to do that a lot of time. How many of us are going through trouble when we sit on our knees and we'll be on our knees for hours? God, help me. Help me. Help me. God, help me. I wish I had some people in here that, that, that are just, just honest with me. God, help me, Lord. Help me. God, deliver me. Help me. God, I need help. I need help. God's going to help you, but that the whole word help means you got to be on the other end of the couch when you're picking it up. Do you get it? Do I need to come, come here, Jared? Come on, come on real quick because I, I, I'm not getting enough north and south or east and west. I, I, I'm looking and I'm like, Lord, God, please. Okay, this JR is God, okay? God, please help me move the table. Help me move the table, God. The table is so heavy, Lord. Lord, the table is so heavy. God, help me. Please, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bind that heavy table up. And God, you shall remove it from out of my path. I need your help. Watch this. God, I just need your help to help me move the table. It's too heavy for me, Lord. I can't do anything apart from you. So please help me move the table. He'll help you move the table. He's not going to do it for you. Amen. Gracias, mi hermano. Si te sé, por favor. If we want our dreams to come true, it's going to take faith. And faith without works is dead. So God gives us a vision. It's going to take some practical work. It's going to take some planning. We've been over it. And if you guys don't remember, I don't have time to go over it. Just go get the app. Download it. Okay, let me calm down. <laughs> Download the app and listen to the podcast on the Annex. That's what it's called, the Annex. Saints of God, listen. How many people put God before them? Amen. I just want to talk about commitment real quick. I'm going to talk about people that have an excuse to not do things. And I just, I heard about this and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? So you know it's been really cold lately, right? You guys know it's been cold? Okay. So just this Wednesday, we had choir rehearsal and worship team rehearsal. And there were two people that wanted to be on the worship team or on the, on the choir, but they didn't have no ride here. My wife told me about it, and Benita, I was so shocked to hear at your commitment that when my wife said, how did you get here? She, you said, I walked from Lawler Ranch down Highway 12, as cold as it was. You had every excuse, you and your son. You came too, Justin? Did you come, Justin? You guys walked here, and, I, and, and you know, I'm just trying to tell you, I, I, I say that is just great commitment, and the Lord sees it. I'm just acknowledging it, but that's such great faith that you would walk this way, and I just, I just, I just wish more people would have that same type of commitment level as you two do. God bless you guys. Y'all look at me and go, Pastor, how come you don't say nothing about me when I'm, well, hey, God sees you. 
I can't see everything. Just give me the same grace you want when you mess up. Y'all don't always come pat me on the back and tell me great message, Pastor. I don't complain. You do it to my wife. Your wife was fire. I think it's funny, though. It, my wife gets up, she preaches, everybody's like, ooh, man, you going ooh, you preaching next week? Ooh, you better bring it. <laughs> Kaya was fire. Okay, back to commitment. I, I wasn't feeling some kind of way about it at all, at all. <laughs> Y'all are laughing, but anytime she preaches, it's like I'm preaching. She's, we are one. We're one. Praise God. Listen, you guys, we have to put God before us. And I know that you have dreams and visions and stuff, just personal visions and things that you want to see happen for your life. But you know what? You have to put God first. And if you want to see your vision and dreams come in and begin to happen, you need to start working on God's vision for God's house first. And I can promise you that he'll make sure that your vision comes to pass. Why? Because the Bible says God gives seed to the sower. In other words, what does that mean? He says, if you're trying to give, you know, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's not all with money. It doesn't, it doesn't even talk about money. But if you give more grace to people, God will give you even more grace to give out. If you're a forgiving person, God will make sure that you have a lot of forgiveness. People forgive you because you forgive a lot of people. So just as a side note, if you have a problem with people forgiving you because you're a person that have done a lot of odds against people, why don't you start forgiving some people and God will make sure that the, the one you desire to forgive you will forgive you but you need to go forgive some other people first uh, you want more grace in your life go start showing some grace to other people if you want more friends start showing yourself friendly start being friendly to people this whole idea that this world is saying is i don't i you don't get respect unless you give respect then nobody's gonna get nothing because we're all gonna be sitting around waiting for respect listen we, the, other, the, the couple of weeks ago, I talked about there's four types of people when it comes to success. There's four types of people when it comes to achieving success, and I talked about this heel of adversity. And anytime this happens, you have the first person that all they're looking to do is succeed. They run to the top of the hill, and when they get to the top of the hill, they don't care about anybody else. I'm here. I'm, this is it. I'm done. I've made it. Praise the Lord. And they'll sit down and wait to see who else gets up there. The second person is the guy that gets up there, and when he gets to the top, He'll stop and turn around and be start shouting and telling you how you need to get up. I wish I could stay right there for a few minutes because there's the, just because you got out there that way doesn't mean I can get up the same way you got up. You know, your strengths are a little bit different than mine. You, you Maybe you got strong quads and you can just walk straight up and I don't. I got a strong upper body, but I'll be able to pull myself on these trees. So the problem is with the person that's up on top trying to shout at you to tell you to come up this way. It may not be for you. But then we have the person that goes up about four or five steps, and then they turn around, and they look. They turn and look. <laughs> Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Okay, okay. <laughs> I thought it was mine. But anyway. So the person goes up a few steps, and he turns around, and he sees the person down struggling, and he grabs their hand, and he pulls them up to where they're at. And then he goes a few more steps. Then he turns around, and he reaches down, and he grabs them. Those are great people. But the fourth is the best person. 
That person goes up a couple of steps and he turns around and he grabs the person's hand and he pulls them up to where they're at. And then he gets behind them and he pushes them up even further than they are. See, that's what God wants us all to do. He wants us to help others achieve their goals and their vision. See, I don't know about you, but has there ever been a time that you were struggling to get somewhere and you just wish somebody would throw you a bone? Just something. Can I, can I get something? Why don't you start throwing some people some bones? So what happens is when you start helping and pushing those people forward, helping their vision come, become a reality, God's going to make sure that there are going to be people that come around that help you get to your vision and your destiny and your reality and your purpose. God desires all of us to do that. Do you know that Jesus said this? If any man desires to come after me first, he must deny himself. We can't put our vision and our dreams above God's dream. God's purpose and dream for this church right here, the Building Christian Fellowship, is that we be a place that teach people about real relevant relationships with God and with his people and then with the community. And you guys are the provision for the vision. So we have to put God first before us instead of our stuff. Well, you know, I got things I got to work on. God's stuff can wait. Now, the other part to this, and we're talking about spirituality without practicality, let's talk about the spiritual side. Because there's an area that I need to hit because it talks about salvation. A lot of us in here right now, we think that once we get saved, that's it. I give my life to Christ, I'm saved. No, it's not like that. The Christian life isn't a sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. Salvation isn't just the beginning Salvation is more than just having a a, a fire insurance. Salvation is the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus that that goes on for eternity. It isn't just, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm gone. No, that's not how it works. The The Christian life isn't about a set of rules and regulations. The Christian life isn't about stuffing facts and information in our heads. The Christian life is about learning to love Jesus more and more each day. La vida cristiana no es un Conjunto de regulas y regulaciones. No se trata de información en nuestra cabeza. Se trata de aprender a tener una relación real y relevante con Jesucristo. Amoroso Cristo, llegando a ser como Cristo, viviendo para Cristo. Loving him. Becoming like him and living for him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is what we we see is putting God first. But we have to finish what we started. It's not a sprint. Listen, you guys, just because we started the race well doesn't mean we're going to finish well. I'm going to tell a familiar story. And it's a story because I'm fast. I used to be fast. You guys go to Armio, you can go to Armio. My track record is still up on. Stop laughing. This is real, man. 
since 1980-something, it's been up there, my name, because I'm fast. But before then, you guys, there was a time that I was really fast, and there was a race that they wanted me to run, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to run because I'm fast. So I went, went to Rock, uh, Rockville Park, and we were all lined up. There was a bunch of us lined up, and I should have known there was something up because I was the only person of color at this race. <laughs> should have knew something was up. And I was sitting there because I'm like looking around like, I'm fast. And I'm going to beat all y'all because I'm fast. So you sit on your mark, get set, now take off because I'm fast. I'm running. Caleb, I'm telling you, I outrun everybody. Sprint, leave them. They're about 100 meters behind me because I'm fast. The dude that's leading us, you know, because there's a guy that runs and he's supposed to show you which direction to run. I pass him up because I'm fast. I'm looking at him like I'm fast and just kept running. And I just go. Nobody told me how long the race was. All I remember is my mom looking at me and saying, I saw you leave everybody and then you guys went down past the hill. And about 10 minutes later, she saw the man run by. And she saw the crowd run by. She saw a couple stragglers run by. And she's like, where's my fast son? About 20 minutes later, I come limping over the hill, looking at my mom. What I didn't know was, this wasn't a sprint, it was a marathon. And see, if you guys don't get the analogy, and this, and this is a true story, because I didn't even finish the race. I quit. I was still fast. But I quit. Come on, I, I, I need you to start looking at spiritual eyes because you're going to catch this in a second. See, a lot of us in this, this thing called salvation, we start off sprinting. We start off taking off, and, and we, leave, we, we leave even the person that's leading us down this, this trail, this life, this pathway, this crooked path called life. We, we even leave that, that guide behind us, and we begin to run super fast, not realizing that salvation isn't a sprint. It's a marathon, and we run so hard that, as, as you know, you guys know this, that you ever start sprinting, and all of a sudden, there's like some evil spirit that comes hit you right here in the side? The devil, I know it's the devil. It's like a rib demon or something. He just comes in there and grabs you, and that hits you. And there's another demon that comes in right about here. Those demons come in, and they start slowing you up. You start locking up. There's pain. Come on, somebody. There's pain. Now, mind you, as, as, as you're running this Christian life, and you run, and because of the pain and because of everything else, you quit. You stop coming to church. You stop reading your Bible. Can I, can I be honest about something? You know why it took me 15 minutes to come over the hill? Because I was embarrassed. I was shamed. You know, the scripture says that 
Count the cost. Know what you're getting into before you get into it. It says, because when you start, if you don't finish, people will mock you. I knew people were going to mock me because I started off so well. How many people in here know that you started off, you even started talking Christianese. You was like, yeah, on tonight, and the Lord God is good. You was talking like a Christian and everything else, telling your buddies how they're going to hell in a handbasket. You was like, man, look, I'm in church every second I get. I'm in prayer. I got calluses on my knees. I bought me knee pads. I've turned my, my closet into a, a war room. Haven't you seen the movie? If you haven't seen the movie, you're going to hell. You said you just all into it. You just said, I anoint myself four times a day. I fast and I pray three times a week. You just holy because you started this race off sprinting. But then because you started off sprinting and you thought the race was going to be quick, you ran out of energy. Your gas went out. But if you just would have stayed behind the guy that was showing you the way. See, what I didn't realize is that guy that I outran in my, in my life, in my spiritual life, it was the spirit of God because the Bible says that he will guide you and lead you and show you things to come. But I outran my help. I outran my guide and, and I started doing things John's way. And when I did it John's way, I quit. And I was so embarrassed. I was so, I was so embarrassed. And, and you know, of course, you know, because you're so embarrassed, you know, you start seeing your parents, you start crying. You're just embarrassed. You're just, I don't know. The demon, the demon in me. When really I wasn't hurt at the point. I had rested long enough in some bushes behind a tree. Made sure everybody was gone before I came back. But that's what we do as Christian saints. Because when you fall off out of church, you've been talking that good game and everybody's seen you because you was fast. But you didn't finish the race. That's why Paul said it himself when he was getting ready to die. He said, I, I, I ran my race. I finished my course. See, God's telling you today, he says, listen, saints, don't stop. Finish what you started. We can't fall off. Watch this. One of the reasons why... Uh, one of the main reasons why Christians don't finish our walk with Christ is because we never had a vision for what we were to become. As I close, Proverbs 29 and 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, I thought what was, was, was tremendous to me is when somebody said to me, they, they looked at my wife and I, and I thought we had a great relationship going on at the time and we were just married. And they, he said, what's the vision for your marriage? Are we supposed to have vision? For, I thought it was just a church thing. He said, no, what's the vision for your marriage? He said, because without a vision, your relationship is going to perish. And I remember, and, and my wife and I sat there, we looked at each other, and we came up with a vision quick. <laughs> and it was simple. You know what our vision is? We're going to die together. We're going to die together. I said, when I go, she's got to go. You better do like a notebook. You better do like the notebook. I lay down. You better lay down next to me. And be like, Jesus, here I come.
A lot of us fall off with our relationship with Christ because we've never written down a vision of what we're to become in him. Watch this. You can let, write it down on paper because every time trouble hits, every time you slip backwards, run. I, I, I dare you. I dare you. So, since, since we're living in the generation, everybody has a printer, we can go somewhere. Get some nice parchment paper. Print down what your vision is. Put it in a frame and stick it on your wall somewhere. So that every time, watch this, every time you start slipping, every time you start going backwards and you walk by that wall, you'll look at it and you'll see the vision. The Bible says, write the vision down. Make it plain. Write it upon tables so those that read it can run with it. You know who those are? You. So you can run with it. And then after you continue to read it up there, then make sure it's written on the tablets of your heart. Get the vision. Some of you guys are like, I don't understand. What is the vision? Then you can say, you know what? One day, God, I'm going to know you so well that when I walk by, my shadow is going to heal people. God, I want to go to the hospital and lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. God, I want to speak a prophetic word to somebody that when they hear it, they'll give their life to Jesus Christ. God, I want to just be your tool. I want, to, I want to be available for you no matter where I'm at, no matter how things are going. I want to live for you. This is a vision. But you'll never finish what you started unless you write the vision down. You guys remember, if you remember, at the point of being intentional, you have to first write the vision down. Then small steps to get to the vision this is what we have to do if we're going to be intentional about finishing you guys you guys know what Mount Rushmore is you guys know what Mount Rushmore is Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota and it's a big mountain I just need you to understand something that Mount Rushmore was just there was a mountain but it took one person to look at it and see what it could be. Now, they didn't make Mount Rushmore in three days. They didn't make it in three months. It took them years. And the cold part about it is the guy that started it didn't get to finish it. I'm about to go there. But his son picked up his legacy and finished the work. Kind of sounds like a man named David who had a vision to build the house of God. God gave David the vision. And David, then he told David, you will not build the house of God. Now, he could have been upset and been mad, but you know what? He kept his eyes on the vision. Because the vision is bigger than the person that gets the vision. So you know what he did? He says, I'm not going to be able to build it, but God, you didn't say I couldn't help so he went and sent out everybody to get all the materials for the build. So whoever else was going to leave it, live his legacy would have everything. It would be much easier for him. And his son, Solomon, built the temple. What am I telling you? Sometime your vision might be so much so big, it's bigger than you, and you might not ever see it fully come to pass. But God has visions for you that will be a legacy for your family. You can't just think about me. That's just like with this church. I know this church is bigger than me. And, and my wife and I talk about it. I said, honey, when I leave here, the church doesn't go anywhere. This is God's church. God's going to move and operate in this. Even when I'm gone, he's going to raise up somebody. He's raising up people now. So that when I pass on, there's going to be somebody in here. They might be back there in children's church right now. Because I don't plan on leaving here for a while. 
Just letting y'all know. I would say I'd be gray-headed, but gray beard, gray beard. Puedes tener una buena excusa para reinventarte, pero no tienes que usarlo. You may have a good excuse to quit, y'all, but you don't have to use it. Everybody has a good excuse. Benita had a great excuse. Stan, you have a good excuse. I got a great excuse. The doctor told me. He gave me. Doctor gave, doctors can give you good excuses. Doctor said, you can, I don't want you doing ministry anymore. I don't want you working out anymore because of your heart condition. It's a great excuse. But I chose not to use it because I committed my life to Christ. And for Christ, I live. And for Christ, I will die. And God is committed from, to me like that because guess what? For me, he lived, and for me, he died. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. El que comienzo también trabajo en ti lo perfeccionará hasta el día de Jesucristo. El terminará. Dios es intencional sobre terminar lo que el empiezo. God is intentional. He's intentional about your life. He's intentional about the work that he's doing in you. So let us too be intentional about his work. Whatever you started for him, let's finish it. Let's be intentional about running this race, about not quitting, about not giving excuses. Jesus could have quit when he was on the cross with the pain and the suffering. But you know what he saw? The Bible says that he saw the glory that was set before him. This is what he thought about while he was on the cross. This is what allowed him to say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. While he was suffering, he kept the vision on his mind so that he wouldn't quit. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.